today we've got a very special guest, a friend of the show, so to speak. You might remember her from our To Catch a Fake Financial Expert episode, where she uncovered a fake persona invented by a company utilizing Haros to get featured in the news. If you haven't checked it out yet, I think it's our, don't quote me on this, but I think it's episode number four, but it's one of our first episodes, so go back and listen to it if you haven't. Um, Casey Bond. So she is a money expert, freelance writer, editor, and content strategist. Her work has been featured in HuffPost, where she previously was on staff, US News, Yahoo, Forbes, and so many more websites. Welcome back, Casey. Hey, I'm really happy to be back with you guys. Very excited about this one. Yeah, me too. It's also been a while since we recorded, so it feels like we've come full circle. Thank you again. (laughs) (laughs) Right? How have you been, Casey? Um, I've been pretty well. Things are looking a little different in my life since the last time we all chatted. Um, In some ways, in some ways, they're exactly the same. I think we chatted before the pandemic. I couldn't remember, and I should have looked at the date, but I did listen to our episode earlier today. And we talked about how you were doing a hybrid kind of work style for Huffington Post at the time where you would actually go into the office on certain days. And I was just like, wow, Casey's ahead of, was ahead of her time, like way ahead of the trend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In a it weird was, way. It was such a good setup. And yeah, it was pre-pandemic, um, but I had the fortunate ability to be able to come and go into office as I pleased. Um, I mostly went in because we got free breakfast and lunch, which was awesome. Right, right. <laughs> and then, of course, my lovely co-workers. But my uh, my editor was actually in Miami, so um, it wasn't super important for me to be there other than to just kind of check in with the team and stuff. Um, but yeah, it was ahead of the time. And then I guess the last time I was in any sort of office other than the one in my house uh, was February 2020. Wow. Wow. And this is sort of off topic and unrelated, but do you find that you're more prolific now that you're remote? I mean, yes and no. The one thing that's really nice is I can work during the hours that I feel I'm most productive, which are generally not during normal nine to five hours. Um, I like to usually take my afternoons to get a lot of stuff done that I, you know, errands and things like that. And I, you know, sometimes work from like 11 p.m. to 1 a.m., um, which for some reason my brain usually works well at that time, um, yeah. <laughs> which is nice. Um, and yeah, I don't have to worry about people, you know, needing me during the day or, you know, all that kind of typical, um, office stuff. Um, but then, you know, on the other hand, it can be a little difficult to balance getting work done, getting home stuff done. Um, I travel a lot. Uh, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to start freelancing in the first place, just to afford more flexibility in my schedule. But it's also tough to like, you know, I went to Costa Rica and every morning I was on my laptop and trying to get stuff done before I could go about the day and adventure and all that. So the work-life balance is definitely something I'm still working on and still trying to learn. But overall, it's awesome. That's really nice. Costa Rica, that's super nice. Very jealous. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I've been doing um, mostly domestic travel uh for various you know music festivals my my fiance also owns a brewery so i help out with events for that um so just kind of yeah puttering all around the u.s (laughs) very cool living the dream that's really cool trying yeah good well i'm glad that all worked out well for you um jackie mentioned this in the intro but i also too like it's so true you're everywhere and (laughs) 
I had to double check before we chatted with you again to make sure that you weren't snatched up to be full time somewhere because you you're just you publish everywhere. So <laughs> kudos to you because that oh. seems like you're getting a lot more work now um, than when you were kind of doing both. Um, yeah, so that's great. Well, I was very selective with what freelancing I did before just because I wanted to put, you know, my full effort into my full-time job, of course, at HuffPost and jobs before that. But yeah, um, one of the other things I've learned about freelancing is how to say no, and I'm not very good at that yet. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's probably one of the reasons you see me everywhere is because I say yes to everyone. <laughs> I think that's okay. I mean, like, respect the hustle if it gets you out and yeah. you can... Yeah, I think it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have to say, though, um, the only reason I can be so prolific at the moment is thanks to all of the positions I've had in the past and editors and managers who gave me opportunities to get my name out there really early. Um, without that kind of history behind what I've been doing, there's no way probably that I would be able to land some of the gigs that I've been able to land now. So I have to say a big, you know, thank you to all the people I've worked with in the past who gave me those opportunities. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. Oh, that's nice. I I always appreciate it when people like, you know, give credit where credit is due. Like I, I definitely wouldn't be where I'm at without any of the people who believed in me at the beginning and like, you know, like just gave us a chance. So shout sure. out to them. That's yeah. super cool. Does that, uh, like, with your freelancing gigs, how does that have the types of stories that you write changed at all? And then how does that impact um, the kinds of things you need from PR people? Like, are you writing different stories now? Do you need different things than before? Yeah, I would say that the types of content that I work on, um, there's a lot more variety now. Um, so, it, you know, at HuffPost, well, don't get too excited just <laughs> at HuffPost, you know, it was very um, service journal journalism oriented. Mm -hmm. So I was doing a lot of reporting. Um, I'm still doing quite a bit of reporting. Um, like I just finished a story for money.com, who I really like working with a lot. I've um, been doing a lot of student loan coverage for them. Um, cool. But I'm also doing more kind of like basic um, explainers. Um, I've been doing a lot more in like the insurance industry, uh, life insurance, writing about that. I've been working with brands. Um, I've been doing copywriting. Um, like uh, you mentioned earlier, hire a helper is one of my clients. And that's a little yep. bit more outside of the typical finance stuff I would do. It's more like moving lifestyle. Um, I've been working, you know, even in like legal. So it's been a wide variety of stuff. I'll say like some of it's not quite as exciting maybe, but it's yeah. also kind of nice to take a break from like the really analytical or like research heavy stuff and just kind of, you know, do what I do best, which is like explaining stuff. Um, it's a good mental break sometimes to just sit down and explain a topic um, that isn't quite as intensive as something I might be working on in other places. So yeah, and I like your work on Hire Helper. Oh, I, I don't know if the audience knows that I work with them, but I work with them as well. And right. I think you, you, your voice lends really well to what they're looking for in the blog, which is like, I kind of like view you as like, I mean, I guess it depends on who's reading the blog, but like a wise, like older sister, you know, like somebody who's got Aww. my back and like, I appreciate you know, that. <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that's kind of like your shtick when it comes to writing is like making things accessible for people to understand. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's what I try to do. And that tends to be the feedback I get um, when it's positive feedback is, uh, yeah, <laughs> just uh, breaking down complex 
topics into something that's easy to understand and hopefully uh, somewhat enjoyable, <laughs> depending on the topic. Out of curiosity, are you do you tend to pitch story ideas more or less than mm. when you were at full time? I mean, at Huffington Post full time. Most of what I do is assigned to me these days. I have a few clients that want pitches every now and then. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, I'm just getting assigned topics that are in need, uh, which is fine by me. It's less um, mental load that way. Uh, yeah. But, you know, pitching can be fun, too. Uh, if there's something that comes up that I think is really important, I'll definitely reach out to the people I think would want to know about it and perhaps run something. That's good to know. Just from somebody who will pitch you at times. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. really good to know. I'm always fielding pitches, but I can't always guarantee that they'll get accepted because I have, you know, more strict yeah. limitations around what I can write and for whom. Absolutely. Um, when we talked the last time, you had mentioned that you were in box zero. Is that still the case? I mean, it's been three years, two years now? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Oh, things change. <laughs> yeah. Things do change. They, yeah, the, the inbox is a little messier. It's not it's not out of control, but um, yeah, just with so many different organizations that I'm working with all the time, yeah. it's, you know, it gets crazy. Hey, we're not judging you, both of us and me still. I don't know about you, Jackie, oh, yeah, but I'm been. still not an inbox zero person not by any means. Never been for me. Personally. I'm glad to know I'm in good company then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Just a curious question. No judgment yeah. here. Yeah, I think I'm in box 30,000 or something crazy like oh that. Oh my gosh, oh, Jackie, I stressful. wrote down that you were yeah, at 1,199. All right, so, well, for fun, let me just look really quick. I'll just tell <laughs> you that. That's insane, 30,000. Oh my goodness. Oh, it's probably more if you combine them all. But like, yeah, my work email, just like my personal like consulting email is at 14,437. So. Oh my Lord. Uh, but I, I sign up for shit, you know, and then I don't unsign up for it and then it just right. kind of floods the inbox and I never delete it and um I use the star function that's my sad my sad version of um you know I just click on the star <laughs> same so it sounds then uh Casey are you still using you're still using Haro then correct begrudgingly yes I still use it um <laughs> begrudgingly <laughs> I mean I have I have a love hate relationship with the platform I mean it's it was such <laughs> it's such an innovative thing and to offer it for free is amazing and I think it's helped so many people who would otherwise not be able to get their voice into the media um and then on the other end journalists who would have trouble finding certain people like I think that was just an amazing mm -hmm. service but it's been around for a really long time and you know, whenever there's something free and awesome, people figure out how to exploit it. Mm -hmm. And I just see that happening more often these days. Um, so I still like to use it for certain instances. Um, you know, if I'm working on a really heavily reported story that kind of hinges on expert insight and opinion, I'm going to go and source those people directly, um, like a real journalist. Um, but if I'm working <laughs> on something, you know, maybe, you know, it's, it's a little bit more basic or a little bit more straightforward. And I just need to find somebody who can confirm something or just add a little bit of flavor in there. I'm working on stuff every single day and Haro makes it a lot easier to just be able to find someone quickly who's already interested in commenting on certain subjects um, and be able to make that connection happen quickly and easily over email. 
Um, sometimes over the phone too, it's a good way to find phone sources, which is always preferred, but sometimes not possible if you're working on super tight deadlines. Yeah, I think it's still a great resource, but there's a lot more noise going on there. And you really have to know what you're doing, I think, these days to make sure that you don't get yourself into trouble using somebody who mm -hmm. is, you know, not an appropriate source or, um, you know, might be a spammer in disguise. There's a lot of those. Yes. Yeah, so I want to ask you about that because I noticed a tweet from earlier in the summer. You said, my new hobby is getting spam accounts permanently banned from Haro for plagiarism. <laughs> uh, is that happening? Are you getting a lot of plagiarism? plagiarism in your inbox these days Un unfortunately yes um and it's it's probably not the best use of my time but i feel like if i put in the work now it'll save other people some trouble um yeah and sometimes you know sometimes i'm not sure if it's just a matter of um lack of education around what's appropriate in the media and journalism um and what types of information people should be passing along or if it's really just bad actors trying to you know spam the web and get you know, get links at all costs. Um, yeah. But yeah, a couple of a couple of things I've noticed is, you know, there will be um, sources who just straight up lift their their responses to queries from articles that already exist, uh, just copying and pasting full on paragraphs and, you know, wow. not attributing that. yeah, not attributing this, the original source. Um, I've had others who very clearly lifted the content from somewhere else and ran it through a spinner. Um, so the language is more awkward, but almost identical, but it'll get itself through a plagiarism checker. Um, and then I've also noticed that there will be like a handful of different um, sources with different areas of expertise and products they're promoting or whatever it is, but they'll all send in almost the identical, like same response. So I think they're being managed by like these SEO agencies who will, you know, kind of formulate a response on behalf of their clients and then just blast it out because it'll be it'll be people who have nothing to do with what mm -hmm. I'm writing about. And that's how I originally caught the first um, Patricia Russell is because she was responding to stuff that was totally outside of her uh, purview. And so, you know, I've had, you know, I put out a query related to finance and I get responses back from an aquarium store, from yeah. like a people finder, from a fax company, like the most random stuff. So I'm like, okay, you have no business responding. And I'm really curious to figure out where you got this, you know, content in the first place. And sure, sure enough, you know, I run it through a plagiarism checker. That's what I do with every response now. I just run it through a plagiarism checker just in case. And more often than not, it'll come back as, you know, at least partially copied and then I have to report them. Wow. Do you know, I'm feeling salty because I recently discovered that there are people on Upwork who call themselves Haro Outreach Specialists. Oh, boy. And they sell their services for specifically this kind of task. Right. And I feel like those are the people that are sending me this junk, too. I have a sneaky suspicion. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's extremely annoying. Um, I've also had instances where somebody I think is not acting in any malicious manner whatsoever and just doesn't realize what they're doing. Um, you know, they'll send me uh, something that they've already written and published somewhere else. And they'll send me the exact same thing and not give me the heads up that this has already been published. So, you know, if I quote directly from it, it's going to be essentially uh, duplicate content or plagiarism. You know, plagiarism. Right. Um, and so 
it's it's easier to tell when somebody is making that mistake it's usually coming from like a like a professional uh who's trying to get their name or their practice out and who may not necessarily be familiar with like standard journalism practices and i'll let them know like hey if you uh already published something elsewhere i can't then send it to a new publication and act as if it's you know fresh content because that hurts them from an seo perspective and also from a credibility perspective most people are very understanding and they'll be like oh my gosh i had no idea um so you know i try to i try not to be rude in those instances but when when i'm getting spammed then i get kind of pissed What's the plagiarism tool that you use? I was about to ask that. Yeah. Yeah, it's um it's a free tool. It's um it's by Small SEO Tools, I believe is the the company. Um if you just Google plagiarism checker, it's one of the first ones that come up, but it's my favorite and it's free and I always love free. So, um it's not it's not foolproof, but if you ever like get like a sneaking suspicion that something isn't quite right, you can just throw the throw the content in there and see what you get back. Yeah, it, um, it's just good practice to double check that too when yeah. you get commentary from clients. I mean, sometimes, like you said, they might just not be aware that they shouldn't do that. Um, right. And you just want to make sure that you diversify whatever it is that they're saying so that it's not exactly what they've written already for their blog, for example. So that's good to know. Yeah. Now yeah. I'm like, hmm, what about paraphrasing from the internet? Does the plagiarism checker pick up on that? No, Not that it I'm doesn't. guilty of that, but I am curious because I'm like, <laughs> I could see that maybe being a problem if, uh, you know, a PR person's like in a rush and wants to throw something together that they should probably be careful and not and think twice before doing that on behalf of their client. Right, right. Yeah, it doesn't pick up paraphrasing, really. It's more like exact match. Um, but sometimes, um, I don't know, sometimes I can just tell when something has been uh, kind of Google. lifted and, and lightly re- rewritten. And I think it's just because, you know, I'm reading this stuff day in and day out. And you can usually tell who based on who the source is, too. If the source doesn't seem like somebody that should really have that much expertise, you can almost, you know, guarantee that they that they did just that. Um, I think if you're working in the finance industry and you're representing legitimate experts and things like that, uh, you should be able to put something together that is unique and insightful and helpful. Um, without running the risk of that kind of issue. Yeah, makes sense. So we covered in the last episode, which um, listeners, you should totally go back and listen to because Casey covers a lot of basic horror tips, like making sure or how to make sure that your expert is real, aka how to determine if they're an actual expert who can be speaking to the topic and will be more likely to get their commentary or, you know, Haro submissions accepted, um, what kind of credentials they might need to have, so on and so forth, um, social profiles. We talk about Reddit and how, Casey, you sometimes found um, kind of more sources for human interest stories on Reddit, which I thought was fascinating and I totally forgot about until I listened to earlier today. <laughs> yeah. Um, assuming those are all still good to go and um, relevant to today's day and age. Do you have any newer tips to share with our listeners in in regards to Haro? Yeah, I mean, really what we've been talking about with like the plagiarism check, I think is the big one now because I see that as the biggest issue these days on the platform. Um, And again, just I think sometimes it's easy when you're in a rush or you're trying to put out something under a tight deadline Um, It's easy to overlook any little red flags or maybe just not 
dig as deep as you normally would um, just to, you know, take a beat to really think about who, who is this person and what are they representing? Um, why are they trying to get their name out there? Um, sometimes I get responses from, you know, a blog writer who might seem legitimate on the surface, but then when you click through, you see it's just like a huge ad for credit repair services or something mm. like that. Um, and I don't feel like that is necessarily the best source of information for whatever I'm working on. So um, if you are going to use the platform, I would be very picky about who you work with. And then if you do find somebody who's awesome and who gives really insightful and um, fresh commentary, you know, bookmark that name and go back to them um, instead of starting from scratch every single time reinventing the wheel. Um, I found it really helpful to just kind of have a little Rolodex. I don't know if people even know what that is anymore. But <laughs> I, I, I know it. <laughs> I was just watching, I just saw this TikTok video earlier of this kid who was probably like 13 and his parents are quizzing him on what different 90s phrases mean. And <laughs> Rolodex was one of them. And he was like, I don't know, is that like another name for a Rolex? They're like, absolutely not. <laughs> but anyway, that's a side note. Um, but anyway, just like, yeah, keeping keeping like a, like a Google Doc or spreadsheet or something of people that you work with that have been very helpful and respond quickly and I mean again this is just kind of basic stuff but sometimes we forget the basics when we're rushing yeah. through life and work um so yeah those would be my kind of major tips and then like I mentioned earlier um it's always best if you can take the time and go to your sources directly like people from national organizations or who have professional designations um it can be a little tougher that way because a lot of them are busy and don't respond or may not be media trained and don't give the best kind of sound bites. Um, they can be awkward interviews, but um, if you're really just trying to dig for information and you know good solid information, that is the best way to do it. And get them on the phone because they always say much more and often more interesting things over the phone than if you're just getting kind of a canned email response from somebody. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So. If I am a publicist and I'm trying to work with you, with my expert, A, like they should be available via phone. B, it sounds like media training seems important, at least on on a basic level, right? Because yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I would definitely agree with that. Yeah, from the PR side, um, I think when it comes to responding to stuff like this, obviously you don't want to waste your time either because people get a flood of responses on Haro and you might spend a lot of time crafting this really amazing pitch that never even gets a second look. Um, but I would suggest at least giving like a paragraph or two of quotable content and then also making that expert available for follow-up via the phone um, in case you know the, the writer wants to dig in deeper with them. That's good, really good advice. Yes, it is. Always worth, worth it too, because that just adds to that relationship building aspect. And as you mentioned before, Casey, you'll probably note in your nice organized spreadsheet that <laughs> that person is very responsive and easy to work with. So a win-win. Right, right. I do have a final question. Um, so I know you've been, it sounds like you're getting way more hair when you do use Haro. Haro, Haro, I use both. Um when you when you do use the service, it sounds like you're getting probably more responses than you used to. Do you read every single one of them or try to, even if yes. they're terrible? Okay, yes. good to know. So there's hope. <laughs> I do. There's hope for I do. the good ones out there. Okay. 
it can be yeah it can be like death to my inbox sometimes especially if it's like a kind of more broad of a subject that i'm exploring i might get like 150 responses within 24 hours which is a nightmare but i do (laughs) i do sit there and i'll at least skim like you know i can tell if something's going to be like complete bs just based on the on the source's name or whatever um sometimes people just give me a couple sentences that are not helpful and I just move on so it's more of a skimming process but if I see anything that looks like it could be uh, helpful in any way I'll sit there and read it for sure okay so transitioning on I have one more question before we get to shout outs Um, the question I have is I know you've kind of talked about it already but if you could summarize maybe in a couple of sentences what PR people who either have worked with you in the past or even if they haven't what are you looking for from them? So let's say, actually, let's just, that's too, that's too heavy. Let's say I don't, I've never worked with you, but I want to connect with you and be helpful to you. And let's say you're not, you don't need, let's say you haven't put out a harrow in a while, or maybe the harrows haven't been relevant for me, but let's say I have an expert or I just want to pitch you ideas, which I know you can't guarantee that they'll become stories. What are you looking for? What kind of, what kind of topics are you interested in hearing about from PR professionals these days? And what are the best ways to connect? Um, like, do you prefer Twitter or email, et cetera? And then we'll kind of wrap things up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so when it comes to pitches and things like that, I'm really looking for specificity. Um, I get a lot mm-hmm. of kind of general like, oh, I have a finance expert. Let me know if you're working on anything. And I can't just sit there and tell everyone like, oh, well, I'm working on XYZ. Do you have anyone for me? That kind of stuff. Um, it's It just kind of gets lost in the noise. However, if, you know, f- for instance, the day that Biden announced his, um, you know, student loan forgiveness plan yeah. and all of the details that went along with that, I got a couple of people with subject lines that made it very clear that they had someone ready and willing to comment on this news. Um that was really helpful because shortly after money.com had me write a story on it. And all I had to do was like search for, you know, student loan forgiveness in my inbox and a whole bunch of people popped up and then I could reach out direct to, directly to them. And it was very easy and painless and great. Um, so even if there's no like pressing news that has come out, but you want to get in, you know, you want to get in my inbox and get some attention, I would just say specifically what you have to offer. If you have an expert who is familiar with, you know, public service loan forgiveness and available to comment on any story that I may be working on. That's really good to know versus like, I have a student loan expert. Um, let me know if you want to talk more, you know, I hope, I hope that makes yeah. sense. Um, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Be specific. Yeah. And then in terms of, um, the best way to contact me, I definitely live in my email. Like I'm on Twitter sort of, and sometimes that does help me locate sources when I need them. But as far as like where I'm like actively looking on a regular basis, it would definitely be my email. So just work on your subject lines. <laughs> subject lines is where it's at. Shall we move to shout outs? Yeah. Yes. Um, so the person I wanted to shout out, I hope I'm saying her name right because I've never actually spoken to her in person, but uh, Heather Lovett at um, Deal News has been incredibly helpful, um, especially when I'm working on just kind of consumer savings oriented type stuff which comes up a lot um she's just been so helpful as like a cold pitching person via haro um she really takes the time to ensure that the pitch is very well crafted and very 
uh, thorough and quotable. And then when I've had to directly reach out to her for things, she's super responsive um, and very helpful. So I just, yeah, I wanted to say that she's been a real help to me. Great. We'll reach out to her and let her know. Yeah. Well, uh, Brittany, do you have any, any other questions? No, that was a wonderful catch up. I'm so glad we could all gather and not only air our grievances about Haro, but hopefully provide, well, I thought we came out for Casey, you came to the table with even more helpful advice to add an update um, to our last discussion on Haro in particular, but also some new gems for our listeners to act out on or act, act upon. So thank you for coming back on the pod. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. I enjoy talking to you too. And I hope, yeah, I hope I can help some people out with some little tidbits there. Absolutely. Yeah, you definitely yes. did. Thank you, Casey. You are welcome. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of We Earn Media. If you head over to weearnmedia.com, you'll find a summary of the episode along with links to any of the resources and more information about our lovely guest and where you can find them online. If you have any topic suggestions or just general PR questions for us or future guests, email us at podcast at weearnmedia.com. Of course, you can also find us on social media. Our handle is at weearnmedia and we're on Twitter and Instagram. 